when starting a new business in any sort of context, it's very, very important to boil down, boil it all down to what's the problem that I'm trying to solve. Um, and once you have that very succinct and very direct question, then you can start to seek the answers. And from there, you're able to actually form <laughs> something that makes sense. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today, we sit down with Kumba Meyerson, a longtime friend of VSET that fused her passion for design and entrepreneurial savvy to pave her own way. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Today's episode is brought to you by the Center for Women and Enterprise. Hi, Kumba. Hello. It's so good to see you. Good seeing you, too. <laughs> it, it brings a smile. I mean, it's under my mask, but yes. <laughs> I have a huge smile having you back here. So, so great to you. see you. Yeah. Cheesing. Um, well, I have to start with a little fun fact that I came across and I couldn't help myself. Uh-oh. Does your name really mean creativity? It does. It does. It means creativity in Swahili. Unbelievable. Yeah, and it's also one of the, it's the sixth day of Kwanzaa. But it's spelled differently. It's spelled K-U-U-M-B-A. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, nothing has ever been more perfect. Right. I know. I know. My parents must have known something that I didn't. It was your destiny. It was. <laughs> All right. While we're on this topic, um, there's an official day named for you in Buffalo. Do tell. Yes. Uh, July 11th is Kumba Winfield Day in the city of Buffalo. Um, and I got it when I was 12 years old. From the mayor. <laughs> um, and I got it because I was going on a student ambassador trip from Buffalo to seven countries in Europe. And I was the only kid that was from Buffalo proper that was going. And um, the mayor found out about that. And I think, you know, maybe he needed a publicity piece or fluff piece for that newspaper day or whatever. But he invited me to his office before I left and uh, presented me with this proclamation. And that was the day, but I don't really do anything with it, and neither does anyone in Buffalo. So, well, we are a hundred percent celebrating. <laughs> it's going to be a visa holiday now. You can get free yeah. Slurpees from Seven Eleven. Actually, and, um, we are the uh, <laughs> we're the one hundred and seventy fifth most popular podcast in Buffalo. <laughs> Look at that. So I suspect there could be a, a parade, a, a parade of some sort this July 11th. Wow. It's like all these things come to, you know, your name and then the day. It's like people knew that you were going to be a legend, obviously. Why do you want to talk to us? I, I, I'm like so Oh, no. You guys, are, you guys are awesome. I- <laughs> um, Kumba, tell us, what is Kumba Wind Design? Yeah, so Kumba Wind Design is a design agency that I run with my husband, Alex Meyerson. And uh, we create websites, we do branding, we do design systems, and anything that's digital and creative, anything in that space, we do. Um, And we've been in business for, I think, about three years now, just creating all sorts of great stuff for small businesses, large businesses, anything in between. It's been a lot of fun. So awesome. Yeah. Um, But... Backing up just a little bit, when mm-hmm. we, we first worked with you at Middlebury College mm-hmm. with an app called Favorite. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience <laughs> and, and any key takeaways? Yeah. So um, I had the idea for Favorite, which was an app that essentially was a sort of gig exchange for college campuses. So any student that had an I had a, you know, needed help with anything, like I need help with my homework, I need help 
doing my laundry? Can someone, you know, walk my dog? Whatever the case is, they'll post it on the app. And then in exchange for that, they'll post a price that they're willing to pay for it. Other students can pick that up. And it's just sort of like a small little gig economy within a campus. Um, and I had that idea my junior year at Middlebury. And I did the pitch competition uh, for mid-challenge and won some granting for, for from some grant funding from that um, my senior year. And then with that, I believe I, I got, I think it was three months at VSAT, complimentary with that. Um, and yeah, so that's where I started. And it, <laughs> one of the things that we learned in that whole sort of um, experience was that the, the name favorite actually was already used. And we couldn't, oops, <laughs> yeah, oops. we couldn't legally use it anymore. Um, so we had to like pivot, you know, before we even really started and got changed to pop gig. Um, and the funny thing about that is, so, you know, we went through that whole thing and it didn't really work out. And then, you know, we went off and did Kumbu and design. But I think about a month ago, um, some students from Middlebury College reached out to us and said, hey, this pandemic thing is happening and the, the city of Middlebury doesn't want a lot of students coming in and out for supermarket stuff. So can we use your app? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no start way. start back up again. Um, yeah, so we've been working with some of the students there to see if we can get that back up because this is funnily enough the perfect time for something under, like under that. Under PopGig? Yeah, yeah, under okay. PopGig, yeah. So that might be back up on the app store sometime soon. Oh my God. I did not know that. I swear. And that is so perfect timing. I know. That's amazing. And it's funny. Like I, I think I remember chatting with you and you were kind of winding it down and, um, I had a feeling it would resurface somehow because it's just such a, you know, it's such a great idea. And especially for a community like Middlebury. Yeah. Um, it seems like I just remember you and Alex having students being really excited about it. So yeah. that would be really cool if it comes back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And like the, the main student who reached out to us, she said she was a freshman when we were um, like on campus sort of like marketing it. So she remembered it for the last three years. And now she's in a position where she's able to I think she's like one of the leaders of the SGA. So she's running that effort, and it's it's really cool to just see it pick back up again. When oh my we God, it timing was, is everything. Right? I know, <laughs> it's crazy. So true. Um, so while we're talking about student entrepreneurs, I'd love to hear just like any advice you might have as a former student entrepreneur for you know students like that young woman now that are like looking to start stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Definitely reach out to any and everybody that you possibly can that's in, like, if they have anything even remotely related to the industry, the platform, the, you know, developers, whatever it is, reach out to them and just learn from them. We, I think because I'm, I was such an introvert back then, I was terrified of, like, sending an email to someone I didn't know just to ask them, like, what do you know about this, that, the other, you know? Um, and... As, you know, as I've gone in, into my own business and started learning how to do things from scratch, it's been really nice to have a community of people that I built myself. Um, and it's a lot more helpful than just listening to YouTube videos and things like that and not reaching out to those people because they aren't that unattainable. You know, you never know what a phone call or a, a quick email could do. So totally. And yeah. you never I was you never know if you don't try. Right. Exactly. Like, what's the worst they're going to say? It, they, there's a no response or no. You're not yeah. going <laughs> to do much worse. There's than no that, other so. options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So definitely that. Um, and also just try a lot of things, fail fast, fail often. 
Um, it's not going to be the end of the world if, you know, something doesn't work out as we're learning with pop gig, you know, we failed that one time and just said, all right, that's it. We're never going to do this again. And look what happened three years later. So, um, yeah, don't completely give up on things and be open to just completely pivoting and trying something new if it's not working out right now. Yeah. The, I think the flexibility is, is a big piece of it and sort of like, you know, leaving your ego at the door and being vulnerable, <laughs> right? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that we always talk to entrepreneurial students about, you know, Middlebury included is, you know, the process is essentially the same, like starting a business, scaling a business, testing out a product, like you're all doing the same stuff. So if you can do that with something that's sort of low risk and you're just sort of like going through the motions of it, like Mm -hmm. that will benefit you down the road, especially if you decide to start another business. Oh yeah. hundred percent. We learned so much from pop gig that we're using in Kumbawin design. And I didn't even do the design for pop gig the first time around. So it's that's funny. I didn't know that. (laughs) I did not. I had the, like the initial, the initial concept I think I did, but I had a friend design all of the screens and everything like that because I was just too busy with school. So yeah. Yeah, two completely different businesses in my eyes, but I learned so much from the other one. So that's so amazing. Yeah. Um, we so enjoy working with Middlebury College, one of our big partners, and mm-hmm. Innovation Hub, and Heather Newworth, and the whole gang down there. So um, it's, I hope we get to go back for J term this year. Yeah, for, we'll for see how that happens. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> At least virtually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you tell us about design thinking and why it's vital to your process? Mm. Yes. Um, it's vital <laughs> for everything. I don't think just for creating visual things. I think um, when starting a new business, when you're thinking about how to solve a problem in any sort of context, it's very, very important to boil down, boil it all down to what's the problem that I'm trying to solve. Um, and once you have that very succinct and very direct question, then you can start to seek the answers. I've found too many times that, um, in the design process, it's really hard to solve for something when the client doesn't know what they're trying to solve for in the first place. I don't know if, you know, they might not know who their target demographic is. They might not know what their website is trying to do in the end. Are they trying to, you know, get signups for the newsletter? Are they trying to, let people know about a new event. They need to know these things. Um, and from there, you're able to actually form <laughs> something that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think it's it really boils down to what's your problem and what are you trying to do to solve that. And I bet like having your own experience you know, with a previous business helps you kind of put yourself in their shoes, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, Alex and I, we realized, like, we, we always joked about Pop Gig because it was like, man, why are we, why are we trying to, we, we realized at the end, one of the many things that didn't work was we didn't have that, that vital sort of, like, question. Who are we trying to solve this problem for? We created a solution. We didn't know what the problem was. Um, and, you know, we, when that whole thing sort of fizzled out, we were joking and like, man, why are we trying to create, you know, something new? Why don't we just do the work for other people like us? Why don't we help people who are in the position that we were in before um, and help them design their app or help them, you know, figure out from start to finish what should their wireframes look like and where would the button go that makes sense and from a UX perspective or something like that. Um, so, yeah, they, they do go in hand, hand in hand pretty easily, I think. Yeah, and I think your point about, you know, design thinking is – 
approach to everything, right? And yes. once you kind of realize that it's a lens that you see everything for, through. Yes. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it's it's really hard for me to separate it now because I've been doing it for a little while. Like you're you can go to an ATM and or I can go to an ATM and I can realize like, oh, why do they have their buttons like this? Why do they have a shelter over this button over here? Or why isn't there a hand sanitizer dispenser right next to it? Or all sorts of questions like why didn't they solve for these things, you know? Pumba, I so I have to share a personal <laughs> anecdote because it's so I went on this tangent and my husband was just like, What are you talking about? You, I wish you had been there, Kumba. You would have saved me because we're we're renovating our kitchen and we got a um, you know, a hood like to go over our stove. Okay. And my husband's like installing it and he'd been working on it for a while, and I come in and I'm like, Is this a joke? And he's like, What? It looks fine. And Essentially, the whole underneath of it was hideous. It was like had no cover on it. It was just you saw like all the stickers, like industrial stickers from the factory. And it was like a terrible color. And he didn't notice because he's 5'9". And his view is over it. And I'm 5'2". And I'm staring at the underside of this hood. And all I could think of is, did they test this with even one customer? Like, did they show this to anyone before they they put it out in the market? And so it was just like, if only they had had, like, a better understanding of who their customer was and, like, the problems that they're facing and what yeah. they'd want to see. Anyway, that's my tangent. Is the hood still installed or is it gone? No, of course it's gone. (laughs) Actually, that reminds me of a similar sort of thing. It wasn't exactly that, but we – so, like, one thing that I realized being home in quarantine is that our our bedroom gets very dirty very fast. Like, it just gets messy. And I realized that the reason why it seems messy so quickly after we clean it is because we have these – we wear clothes, but um, they aren't, like – they aren't clean enough to put back inside of the drawer. They aren't dirty enough to put in the laundry hamper. So where do we put them? Okay, we just toss them on the ground, and then that's it. So what I realized was, okay, let me use some design thinking here. Where are the the piles of clothes ending up? They're ending up at the end of the bed. Okay, what if I put a hamper there? And I tried that, and then the hampers would get full, and they'd get mixed in with, like, kind of clean clothes, with clothes that are, like, on the cusp of being, you know, too dirty, that sort of thing. So I found this hamper that, has like a divider in the middle. So <laughs> I labeled it. A great system. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a great system. There's, so we each have two, we have two hampers with a divider in the middle. And I labeled one side dirt and the other side not dirt. And <laughs> not dirt clothes are clothes that, you know, you might have worn once or twice in the house. You didn't, you know, sweat that too much or anything like that. You toss them in there. Clothes that are like on their way out, they need to be washed are on the other side. And our floors are clean now. So, you know, problem solved. Thinking. It there works. you go. <laughs> that is yeah, awesome. Yeah, but you can't find a pair of sweatpants, I bet, that easily when they're not every six feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I Fair believe enough. in having a pair of flip-flops at every point of entry in the house. Because <laughs> you never know. You never they know. They don't have to match. Just, just, just any flip-flops. Left and right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your clients at, at your design firm? And, yeah. And um, how do you like selling? How do I like selling? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) That should tell you everything. Um, Yeah, so, like, current clients, we have – we just finished up a logo um, for Redstone Lofts and Redstone – I think they are naming it Commons now. 
So the I think they're redoing their commons building, and we, we just did the logos for those guys, and I think we just sent them out today, actually. Um, and one client that I've sort of had ongoing, they're, they're called Calibri Group, and they're this, like, very uh, expansive group of online learning, like, certificate sort of people. So if you're oh. a nurse and you need to get continuing education credits, they have that. They do it for um, real estate and all sorts of different professions. Um, and one of my favorite clients, um, her name's Janine Sickmayer, and she owns um, she owns her own sort of, like, personal lifestyle, like, mommy entrepreneurial sort of blog thing. Um, but she also is the, I believe, the CEO of this company called Next Chapter. And she does, like, bankruptcy software. But she is an amazing, like, inspiring woman. She is a mother of four children under the age of four. When I met her, she was pregnant with twins. Oh, my um, goodness. And she was running this company along with her mommy, like, lifestyle blog thing. And she, like, super organizational, just, like, pinpoint laser focus on everything she does. And I learned so much from her as a client. And I think that's one thing that I really love about what I do. I'm not just doing things for people and then like it's an exchange. I'm learning so much from how people operate their own businesses. And if I can learn some things from them, then I can apply it to my own to make it more sort of efficient. So, um, yeah, she's one of my favorite people that I like to work with. <laughs> and then what about selling and, and acquiring customers? Is it, Are you at the point where it's mostly word of mouth or how do you go about? Yeah, I think since quarantine, like at the beginning of quarantine, we had a lot to catch up on because we'd gotten married in November and then we had we had a honeymoon and then it was Christmas and then the quarantine started basically. Um, and so we were still like reeling from like family and oh, we just got married and all this other stuff. And um, we had a lot of word of mouth because we did Right before our wedding, we spent a whole week. Every single day, we went to a networking event. And I, you know, we were just really boots to the ground, trying really hard to just get our names out there. And it sort of bit us in the butt <laughs> a couple months later. You did too later. good of a job. Too good of a job. So we were filtering through a lot of things, just trying to figure out what we can do, when, all that sort of stuff. Um, so as far as that goes, like, networking seems to be a lot of fun. Um a lot harder to do during quarantine. Yeah, I'm not sure what networking is ever going to be. Can you imagine doing that now? You'd be like, ew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just, I have no idea. Um, but we've been fine. We haven't had, we haven't had to resort to trying to figure that out quite yet. Um, as far as other avenues, like we, traditionally when we started out, I was on Upwork. Yeah. And I had a profile on there, um, and people would just sort of find me through there. And that was really where I got the breadth of most of my clients. So I was able to build out my portfolio really easily with that. Um, but other than that, we don't do, like, direct email campaigns or anything like that. I, we, I know we want to eventually, but we it's just so much thinking yeah. <laughs> going behind that. Um so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome that you really haven't needed to do that. You've been able to stay busy. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you know, one thing I always find interesting is with, you know, um, design firms and things is, like, the size. So, like, do you – it's so tempting to just keep taking on more work. It's really hard <laughs> to say no. Um, are you hoping to just keep it you and Alex, or do you think you'll scale it at some point? Yeah, so we've, we've sort of, like, dipped our toes into that. Um, we have – a couple of designers who we're like trying to train, but we aren't taking like full time quite yet. Um, because it, I think one thing that I'm still trying to figure out is 
how do I find designers that will sort of fit our budget um, while also maintain the same level and sort of creativity um, that I would have otherwise been doing. Um, and that's just, it's really hard. I think for thing, for creative sort of businesses like this, it's really hard to take a replica of the, the main person that it was based off of and just sort of, you know, keep and, that going. <laughs> and you have a distinct style and people, you know, especially, you know, you talked about your client Janine, who you love and you work with a lot, like, she wants you, right? right. And yeah. so it's really hard to say, no, this other person's great too. Like I, I just, I think that's a really, a really hard thing to do. But I also think that giving, you know, young or beginning designers an opportunity to learn from someone like you is, mm-hmm. is also important. So it's kind of a tough balance. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing that I wanted to ask you about, cause, um, I actually have been off of social media for the month of September, but previously, you know, way back in August and and before. October's coming soon. I know. I've actually I had around a, the corner. I had a dream last night that I posted something on Instagram and I woke up in a panic that I it was just a dream. Um, but before my my little cleanse, um, your Instagram account was one of my absolute favorites. Oh, thank you. Um, your content is amazing, um, and it's really obviously beautifully um, beautifully done and aesthetically pleasing and all that jazz. But um, one of the things I noticed that you talked a lot about is pricing and valuing your work, which mm-hmm. is so important. I think especially for young women entrepreneurs. Um, for designers who, you know, folks that, you know, are artists and, and, you know, want to value their work, but are mm-hmm. uncomfortable doing that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that journey for you and sort of what you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I learned a lot on that whole sort of trajectory to where I am now. Um, when I was first starting out, um, well, just sort of scale it, going back in the timeline. So after a whole pop gig thing, um, it sort of fizzled out and I was doing, you know, just odd jobs to keep food in our mouths. So I was doing Instacart um, delivery, which was hilariously like similar to the whole pop gig idea just for grocery specifically. Um, and I was also a Grubhub uh, customer service representative from home because I wanted to do jobs from home so I could figure out what I wanted to do without having to like, you know, commute and all this other stuff. Um, and I remember the, my last day of doing Grubhub customer service, there was a woman, she was pregnant and she was on the phone with me yelling and because, you know, her food came late or something like that, but she was also vomiting on the phone with me. And I remember thinking like, I, I didn't graduate college for this. This is, this is not worth it at all. Um, so I just hung up on her and I quit because <laughs> I was done with that and realized like, I need to do something. And so, um, you can't make that up. No, I, I was just like, this, this is beyond real. I can't do this right now. Um, so yeah, so I, um, immediately like started looking for online courses just to brush up on my artistic skills. Cause I've always done art in some form, just never like in exchange for money. Um, and after I did a couple of online courses, I decided to open up my profile on Upwork and on Upwork, the way it works is you set your hourly rate. And everyone can see it. And that way it sort of takes away that anxiety about like telling someone like, oh, I'm this much and you need to negotiate with me. If they see you and they like your work, they hire you. Um, so I put on there, I think my hourly rate was $13 an hour. <laughs> and I laugh at that now because 
Someone took me up on that really quickly, of course. And I, my first ever job on there, I did a super long um, design for a landing page, and they wanted it the next day. And I think it was for like $200. Oh. <laughs> and I took it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I took it, and I was like, wow, someone thinks I'm cool enough to do their long landing page design for, wow, me? Okay. So I spent, you know, I did not sleep that night. I just went for it. Delivered it, got my $200, and immediately after that, I raised my rate from $13 an hour, I think, to $45. Yeah. Um, Good girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, if, if anybody wants to, like, learn how very quickly where their, where their threshold is, do something for way less than you'd like to, you'll learn very quickly what you're willing to do and what you aren't willing to do. Um, and even from there, from $45, I, I kept bumping it up because it was just – it was, like you'll learn that you'll get too many people coming in for at a certain price point, and if you want to stave people off and you really want to just get the cream of the crop, bring your rates up. Rates up. I mean, no one's stopping you, you know. <laughs> and you have to value your work too, right? I yeah. mean, like if I saw thirteen dollars an hour, I'd be like, "What's wrong with this design?" Exactly. Right? <laughs> you're, yeah, you're signaling to others the value of your work. You're signaling to others your professionalism. Um, there, there's just so much that goes into a price. And um, sometimes you might price yourself too high and you realize that people aren't coming to you and you might have to adjust it a little bit more or add more to your services. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really like some exact science or some exact formula. I think it is a person-to-person sort of thing. Um, but definitely, yeah, value your work. Do not undervalue yourself and don't let other people tell you how much you're worth either. I feel um, like, you know, learning that on Upwork is such a valuable lesson because you have nothing to lose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're putting it out there on display. You aren't haggling with people. You aren't convincing them of anything. You're just putting yourself, your name, and your work out there and see what happens. So That's brilliant. Great. Yeah. Uh, you work closely with your husband, Alex. Yes. Um, do you think it's important to have a partner when you're jumping into a venture? I mean, clearly he's doing the $13 an hour work now. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Let's just, let's just focus on the core question here about having a partner to share this journey with. And is it necessary, preferable, yeah. optional? Um, you know, it's hard for me to say because I've been with Alex, like, throughout this whole thing, even with Pop Gig, like, he's always been there with me. So it's been the only time that I've done this, like, by myself has sort of been in that period right after the whole Grubhub thing and, like, maybe a year of doing design stuff by myself. But even then, it wasn't like it was just me. Like, Alex would be two feet behind me working on his music. So I'd just turn around in my desk and be like, oh, this client's being this way. What should I say? Or, you know, um, that being said, I, I do think it's preferable to have a, a partner um, because it just sort of brings in different perspectives and it allows you to sort of not feel the entire weight of the world <laughs> on your own shoulders. Um, I know that, you know, if I'm not, if I don't know the answer to a question or if I don't know how to negotiate or don't know how to respond to an email, I can turn to someone else and ask them, what do you think? And we both might not know the answer, but there's some sort of comfort in that. Um, But if you're doing it alone, it's not impossible. So many people have done it. And I think that's probably the way that most things happen because people have their own passions and their own ideas and they go for it. And they're they're doing great, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, Dave and I always try to encourage entrepreneurs to find a partner or at least get, you know, an advisory board or folks that they could go to for those tough questions. Oh, and yeah. 
Um, but I think, you know, one of the reasons Visa exists is for solo entrepreneurs that don't have the Alex two feet behind them, right? And <laughs> yeah. um, so I think, you know, it's definitely, you know, two heads are better than one, right? Yes. But um, you're exactly right. I think if you have the right resources and the right, um, you know, sort of drive, you can certainly succeed solo. Yeah. Well, and, and starting a company, being an entrepreneur is lonely. Yeah, right? it is. And it's so up and down and, I mean doesn't want to ride the roller coaster with somebody else in the seat screaming. Yeah, right. of course. It's I mean it's just holding like, on for dear life, right? <laughs> it's any other job really, you know? It's like it's having coworkers, it's the people that you just sort of like you laugh at things, you're you're frustrated at things together, you have you you build your own community even if it's with one other person, you know. Oh, so yeah. important. Um Kumba, what do you wish that non-designers, people like myself <laughs> and Dave <laughs> knew about design and the design process. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, like, you know, when you have clients that come to you and say, hey, can you do this for mm-hmm. me? And they really misunderstand how you approach it or whatever. Like, what is the thing that you wish you could tell people? Yeah. yeah. How do you make your customers smarter before they talk to you? Right. <laughs> Instagram is one thing. I, I will tell you that. I use Instagram to to educate people before they even think about contacting me. Um there's a lot of things, and it depends on the different projects, but I will say in general, um, be patient because it's one per- It's usually one person. It might be more, but still there's a lot that goes into the creative process, and it's like a muscle. It can, be, it can become exhausted, and I'm finding that with myself that it's very hard to just pivot from, you know, doing a bankruptcy sort of design to I don't even know um, – healthcare or whatever, just switching from genre to genre is very hard and trying to like answer these very different questions across a lot of different industries. Um, and I think another thing too is revisions are not, uh, they're not like a dime a dozen. They aren't super easy to do. And anything that you think is easy in the design world doesn't necessarily mean that it is. Um, there can be a lot more that goes into it than what meets the eye. So don't ever say, oh, well, this should be pretty easy for you to do. Because that's I think that's one of the most insulting things to say to a designer is, this should be easy for you to do. And then when it's not, it puts us in an awkward position. Like, actually, no, you know, I have to open up three <laughs> different programs for that and this and that, you know. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could spin that and like they're they're very confident in you, but yeah. I but I could totally see where that this is a quick fix, right? And you're right. like, no, no, it's not. not. Well, that's that's good to hear because I think, you know, I am because I have so little knowledge of design, like I consider designers like magicians. Like <laughs> to me it's just like next level. So but that's that's good to know. I think that that's information that well, you've got we can some strong thoughts on appliance designs and venting hoods. <laughs> right. So I, I'd say there's a role for you at Maytag or hoods for short people. And I think another thing too, just for any like business owners who are what we're listening right now, um, one thing that is very big in in just design in general, especially for websites, is ADA compliance. Um, so for people who are colorblind or have any sort of visual impairments. If you're hiring a designer, make sure that whatever designs they're coming out, coming with you, coming to you, um, that a person who has some sort of colorblindness is able to actually access and use that site. Um, I believe there was a federal mandate that was put in place not too long ago. So websites do need to be ADA compliant. And if they aren't, you can be sued. 
Wow. Um, and I, not a direct client of mine, but a client of a client of mine, they, their website was actually sued. They were sued because they didn't have buttons that were that were dark enough. So things like having yellow backgrounds with white text on top, a person who has a certain type of colorblindness isn't able to see that button and they won't be able to actually interact with your site. Oh. So good tip. Great, That's great an amazing tip. tip. Um, you've been an incredibly generous mentor. Um, helped us out at Middlebury Entrepreneurs class for years now. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Um, have you had key mentors for yourself along the way? Um, not any official ones. Um, I'd say things like, you know, Janine, for example, she's always just been a great resource for me, but I've never officially had like a board of mentors or anything like that. I've just sort of, you know, learned little bits and pieces from people that I might talk to. Um, but I feel like that's something that I do want to like change. Cause I'm sort of at a point now with Alex where we want to scale. We want to be able to hire full-time designers and have them as paid employees for the full year and things like that. But we don't know personally anybody else who's sort of been in this position as a design agency. They sort of seem unattainable, which I'm sort of eating my own words here, but maybe I should send out an email or two. <laughs> well, we can help you if you yeah. need that. We know people. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I just, you know, you've, you were so generous with many of our students who – you know, we're doing great on the business side of things, but had no clue about design. And I remember even just last winter, I think like three or four of them came to me and were like, so Kumba told me blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, 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 what? And they're like, oh yeah, like we've been working with Kumba. I'm like, no way, that's awesome. Um, but it's just, it makes such a big difference. And, um, you know, I think especially because, you know, you and Alex are young and you just started your own business. It's like, mm -hmm. it's so inspiring. Um, I'm inspired by you. And, and yeah, Thank I think- you. Um, that that mentorship piece and being able to sort of pay it forward to other students is is just is so awesome. Yeah. But you're totally going to have to change that that wonderful story, that arc of uh, pop gig and why it's not working and how we're going <laughs> to give it up. And that's okay because we learn and now it's back. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, right? It's a like, sequel. It just changed like the last two pages. It, yeah. it really <laughs> did. We were we were just stunned when I saw that email. I, we laughed for so long because <laughs> we were like, we thought this was out of our lives. Like that was just a closed chapter. Nope, it's open up again. It's so. coming back. <laughs> um, Kuma, is there a company in Vermont that you really admire? Hmm. Well, I think the obvious one would be like Ben and Jerry's, <laughs> not only for their delicious ice cream, but just um, their stance on political and social issues is they're, they're one of those companies where you're, there's no like gray area. It's not a, hmm, I wonder what their their founders think or something like that. Um, and I, I will say that it's been sort of um, hard for myself and my company trying to figure out how to navigate that. And I'm sure it is for a lot of other small entrepreneurs too, um, because I don't want to, you don't want to alienate a certain group of people, but you also don't want to seem to this way or to that way. It's a, it's just a very strange thing for me to navigate, I think, especially because my name is the company and my face is the logo. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we do have, even though we don't have full-time employees, we have people who do things for us and we don't want to speak for them, but we, you know, it's a lot of iffy around all of that. But I think Ben and Jerry's, you know, they do an excellent job of being very straightforward and to the point about where they stand on a lot of issues. Um, and that's incredibly admirable. And I wish that I had uh, 
a little bit more time and a little bit more brain space to figure out how to do that with my own company. Yeah. And I think just like having, um, you know, that's sort of like a mentor company of, you know, companies you can look to, you know, definitely Ben and Jerry's for Dave and I I think Burton is another big one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they, they say what they mean, they walk the walk, they admit their mistakes. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that, is important thing to, to do, especially for small companies, especially when you're mentoring folks is kind of carve out that time to, um, to figure out what message you want to send. But, um, yeah, I think, I think Ben and Jerry's is just such a great one. And, um, not only are they doing that now, they've been doing that forever. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think they know any other way. No, that's part of their, it's part of their, their whole brand and lore and and social responsibility that how they define it. So, I have a, what have you learned during COVID hmm. that you can share with another founder? Hmm, that's a tough one. <laughs> Beside the hamper trick, which yeah, is right. brilliant. <laughs> We've already used that one. Um, I think COVID's, you know, obviously it's a very, it's an unprecedented time as lots of uh, <laughs> car commercials like to tell us nowadays. Um, but I will say that it's um, it's a good time to have difficult conversations. If you have a, a partner or even yourself, just like there's so much chaos going on in the world right now. And if you're trying to figure out, you know, if your business needs to do something different or just drastically the opposite direction of what you're doing right now to make things work, try it out now. Um Like one thing, for example, is a conversation Alex and I have been having is the name and the face of my company. We're getting to a point where Alex and I, we have different ideas about a lot of different internal things. And it's very hard for me to like completely agree or go 100% on things because it's my name and my face. And um, so one conversation we've been having is, well, maybe we should change the name and the logo of the company so that I don't feel like it's Kumba who is doing these things or Kumba who's putting out this work or whatever the case is. And that might help with, you know, hiring new designers so that it's not so attached to one person. Um, But yeah, definitely, I think like with so much going on, it won't be like whatever you decide to do with your company will not be the end of the world because that seems to already be happening outside our own doors today. So, uh, throw things to the wall and, you know, see what sticks right now. I think it would be a a good one. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think Hmm. now's the time to take risks and, um, you know, every it's, it's, it's okay to shake things up right now because it's shaking. No, none of your none of your clients are going to throw a riot because you decide to do something different with your company. I don't think. No. Don't take my word for it. And I, I think I like that you brought up sort of the the personal side of it. And I think that's a really hard battle for a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Is that especially when you get to a point where you're scaling, is that it's not just about you anymore, and it's not just your. You know, I think yours is particular because yeah. it is your name <laughs> and your face. But I think I find that for solo entrepreneurs all the time who are hiring, right. And starting mm-hmm. to change policies and build, a, you know, HR and do all that stuff. And yeah. I think, um, you know, you do have to have a little bit of separation and, you know, we, you and I were talking about that when you came in, like how do you sort of separate 
the work and the sort of company part of things from your life. And, yeah. and it's hard to do that when your name is, is the brand. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's all in the same square footage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's the other thing too. A very big thing. That's, I, I will say that's another good thing to tell founders now, if you're working from home, try really hard to set aside a separate space for you to do your work. Um, we were lucky enough to, uh, my sister-in-law was living with us like about a year and a half ago and we moved our office into her old room. And it's very nice to, at the end of the day, close the door and leave that all in there. Do not do work in your living room. Don't bring work to the bedroom. Like just leave it in one room, one space. Even if you don't have separate rooms, leave it in a corner. Just, it's really important to keep those things separate, I think. Couldn't couldn't agree more. (laughs) So uh, what's next for Kumba Wind Design? Oh, I mean, maybe a, maybe a name change, I think, was a little bit of a spoiler, maybe. Yeah. But, um, you know, hiring folks, what else? Yeah, so we're trying to become, you know, larger. And, and I'm trying to navigate, you know, the types of designers and things like that. Um, we're trying to work on larger projects. One thing that I'm doing right now for Calibri Group is I'm creating a design system for them. So... That is a huge undertaking where you're, it's an atomic design system. So you're going down to the atom of what a website could be, a button, the fonts, the icons, and then building from there. So molecules, um, organisms, and so on. Um, And I'm giving a really like hacked up definition of what an atomic design structure is, but it's essentially, like I said, boiling down a website down to the buttons and then what, what sort of states are there, all that sort of stuff and growing out from there. So in doing that, um, this has been like a months-long project for me. I want to do more things like that for other companies. Um, but yeah, larger projects, we're hiring, we're trying to hire more designers, um, possible name change. Um, and yeah, I think that's basically it. I think we're just... And you know, get all the work done. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you don't need to do much sales yet, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, during this time of COVID, anything our listeners can do to help you and your business? Um, I'd say, you know, um, follow us on Instagram, spread out the word, um, support other black owned businesses in Vermont or just wherever you're listening. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's better. We can do that. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and maybe find a designer or two. Yeah. Right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. Now that I know that you guys are looking for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please send them our way. Um, and, you know, I'm always happy to, you know, any sort of mentorship sort of thing. I'm, I'm totally up for that, too. So Awesome. One of the many reasons we love you. <laughs> I know. It's sick. It's sickening how many reasons there are. I know. <laughs> like, literally. I mean, good for you, but it's, everybody it's else tiring. is so far Can't behind. do it. Yeah. I know. Poor Alex, right? I'm like, Alex walks in. I'm like, is Kumba here? I mean, Alex, it's so good to see you, bud. So good Sorry. to see you. Get out of the way. <laughs> you know, he we, likes to stay in his corner. We he's, love Alex. He's too. all right. We love Alex. <laughs> so. Magic wand time. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. I think it's your turn, Dave. Okay. Everybody gets asked this, so. Okay. If you could change one thing with your magic wand in Vermont, what would it, what would you change? Um. What would what would you change? 
can't find a pair of sweatpants. Absolute superpowers. Which is like redundant for you to say that, right? (laughs) It's too much power. It's going to go to my head. (laughs) (laughs) Too much power. Too much power. Honestly, I think I would just have a longer summer. Yes. You know? Let's get rid of like March, April, May. Slush season. No, March is when the snowboarding is Right, right, okay, right. Giant's shaking his head here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. April, we could write April off. I'm good with that. <laughs> what about May? May is so not summer. It's not. Uh, no, uh, the sixty <laughs> days or so in April and May—that's that's like risky. Yeah. It still snows in May, late May. So. I just. Okay, longer summer. I love that. Yeah. I need a longer summer. I don't do any snow sports or anything like that. You know, skiing, snowboarding, any of that. I, I could never wrap my head around it. To me, it's just like going up the hill and then going back down. Um, <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And then, uh, you know, being outdoors, hiking, you know, adventurous walking, dramatic walking, as it's called. I, I don't get any of that either. So <laughs> if I could just get nicer weather for a longer amount of time, that would be excellent. Chef's kisses. All right, we'll okay. see what we can do. Well, now <laughs> we know why July 11th in the summer is named yeah. her day rather than <laughs> February 7th. Totally. Well, I, careful, because I think Dave's going to make you go to the mountain with him now. Oh, no. Ooh, design, <laughs> that's a design challenge oh, right no. there. So, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series is supported by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Women in Enterprise. CWE provides opportunities for women entrepreneurs and women in business to increase professional success, personal growth, and financial independence. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, share it. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to work.